Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. All right, here we are back with Michael Stevens, the Starbucks prophet. So uh, I so I so love Michael, and we shared last time about Michael and uh, some of the Starbucks stories, and uh, and you even gave him some of the uh, some of the little gems um, of just under understanding. Actually, my big secret, one of my secrets, is Michael is one of my favorite speakers on the planet, <laughs> and. Um, but I, so amazing things that happened at Starbucks. But I want to I want to hit this time about some of the other encounters that you had because you got this whole awakening of that God was not separate from your work and that you you didn't you know you could minister all day long every day regardless of what you did sure for your life yeah and so you went from Starbucks you worked there for a couple of years and you went to a, a, a cell phone company right. selling phones yeah. And started knocking it down, but so so tell us what happened. It was uh, it was different. Starbucks, I had had obviously a level of acceptance from coworkers and you know management, and it was still because you were so client facing all the time. Uh, there was no real privacy. The the language was still you, know, you didn't hear bad language very often, and um, so I went to a real culture shock when I went into AT and T and. There were actual adults that worked there, <laughs> you know. That once the door shut in the back room, you know, there was it was rated R back there, and uh, it was a major culture shock for me. <laughs> and uh, I had never worked in an environment like that. And uh, and then I also realized that very quickly that that company would uh, it, it fired people all the time, all the time. I mean, if the regional manager showed up, two or three people were getting walked. <laughs> So it became very clear to me that you needed, you know, I needed to tread lightly and be careful. And so, but I still loved doing prophetic ministry in the context of retail. It was hard for me to just give that up. And so there were a few times that what I would do is I would ask someone to step, I would walk them out with the sale. I would actually walk them outside and we finish the sale. And so finish. you wanted to keep keep on doing. So yeah. at, at last time we shared about a Starbucks, you actually, while you're on the floor there, you'd go prophesy to people yeah. or even in the line. And so here at AT&T, that was not kosher. There was yeah. no way you were going to survive no that. So, so after the sale, you would walk outside the store. Yeah. Well, most of the time. Occasionally, if I had enough space and we were looking at a phone, we would just spend a lot of time at that one phone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, and I did, you know, I would walk outside. I remember one time, um, there was a, it was a, I think a husband, a wife and a daughter, teenage daughter. And there, we go through the sale and whatnot. And I walk outside with them and I said, Hey, it's going to sound crazy, but I felt like the Lord shared some stuff with me about you guys while you're in the sale. It's nothing we've talked about. If it's okay, I'd like to share it with you. Uh, if you want to decline, that's fine. And they said, no, no, go ahead. So I prophesied over them. And they look at me, they look at each other, they look at me, and he goes, were you in the back seat on the way over here? <laughs> you know, he's looking at his phone like, what? Uh, you know, and, and it, was a, it was a great experience. And then another time, uh, as I, uh, when I worked at another store, um, there was just a young couple, and, and we were over in the corner, and I just, my heart was just, it, it was, I, actually, I remember, I went and called, uh, called their name. We were super busy. Called their name off the list. They come up. As soon as I call their name, my heart just gets heavy. 
So I walk over with them and immediately begin prophesying over them. And they're crying and everything else. So how, explain how you did this. So this is AT&T. They're waiting. Big line. You're busy selling phones. The name gets called. Okay. Okay. Bubba. Yeah. Go here. And then you walk up to them and explain this. Yeah. So they, they come up. They I, I, they weren't buying a phone. I think it was just a service issue. Okay. So they weren't in there very long. And so I take care of what they need real quick. And I said, hey, if you guys don't mind real quick, can you step over here with me? And the main reason was is the guy next to me had turned me into ethics six times because my numbers were so high. He was, he was convinced I was cheating. And he went to the manager, and the manager goes, he can't cheat. Like, there's no way to cheat. And he goes, but he has to be doing something. So anyway, I six times, six because times. Because your sales numbers were oh, killing his sales I, Well, numbers. I had a month that was like 320% a goal, and the next person was at like 100 and some percent. So he was just mad. So I, I didn't want to risk it with him. We step over to the side. The funny part is the store, the store is super busy. I share with this young couple. I don't remember what I share with them, but he's getting emotional, but his wife is a mess. I mean, she is crying big time. And so they hug me. They're super thankful. They hug me. And I just walk right over to the list and call the next name on the, the next name. John. And everybody's like, oh, like, there's no John in the room. Uh, but you know, it was just, a, it was a different setting. And AT&T was a, a beautiful transition for me because the Lord was slowly working my full-time ministry mentality out of me. First, it was full-time ministry is the pinnacle of Christianity. Then I felt like I still had one foot in the door and I was still having fun because I was pretty much doing full-time ministry stuff, but while I was working at Starbucks, making a, you know, a few bucks, no pun intended. And then from there, it went to AT&T and that aspect began to be weeded out of my work life. And then from there, you know, what do you mean? It began to be weeded out in the context that I couldn't do it all day. And the Lord was taking me to a place to be okay with that. Where you couldn't just minister to people all day. Yeah. You had to work. Yeah. yeah. The Lord to open my eyes that he's multidimensional and the way that I think he wants to encounter me. Right. Is not the only way that he wants to encounter me. And he wanted to take me to a place that totally broadened my spectrum of what it looked like to encounter God on a daily basis and what the pinnacle of love really was, that he needed to take me out of what I thought was the number one place to encounter God, which was full-time ministry. So it was a slow process. I went from only doing ministry to doing Starbucks in ministry to doing AT&T and a little bit less ministry while I was at work to where I got ended up in the oil field by myself for 88 hours a week. And it was a beautiful, when I look back, I'm so thankful for the journey God took me on because of where I'm at now. Yeah. So at AT&T, I mean, you're, you alluded to it here, but you, you were knocking it down. Yeah. Sales-wise. Yeah. And, um, and so you, were, you really started to figure out that you had a sales gift. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but you would also prophesy to people. Mm-hmm. You know? But I remember you were you even practicing the prophetic. So tell me about how the prophetic works I mean, is it oh, kind, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of cheating in sales? You Gosh, know? you're reminding me of stuff <laughs> I haven't thought about in a long time. So, uh, well, I would practice the prophetic at work lots of different ways. Um, you know, somebody would come in, ask the Lord questions. My gift doesn't 
typically work that way. I don't do well with asking questions because then I just make up all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and then find out it wasn't the Lord and that I just made a bunch of crazy stuff. For me, I typically connect with somebody uh, at a heart level. And so, but it, it made me get out of my comfort zone and step back and ask the Lord questions. And so I would be working with somebody. They're looking at something. I'm asking the Lord. And then I would just slide into the conversation. Um, oh yeah, your sons will love this. And we've never <laughs> talked about children. And, uh, and they look at you and you're like, you have two boys, right? And they're like, yeah, did we mention that? And I'm like, I don't know. And we just keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> you know, and there was another time I'm uh, working on this guy <clears throat> setting up his account. And there's a part where it requires password. And I have his driver's license in front of me. And so I'm filling all the information on the computer. And when I got the password, I just typed in Mickey Mantle. Just, I just typed <laughs> just in Mickey that. Mantle. And then I typed it in confirmed. And I, w- I went, wait, I'm sorry, sir. Um, I need a password. He goes, Mickey Mantle. <laughs> and so there was all these little instances where it really made me step back and start to have to dialogue with God in the context of what's important to you about these people or, you know, can I learn to hear you in these contexts? Wow. A lot of fun. And, and it was an edge a lot of times too. Yeah. I mean, I remember you told me one time guy walks in and, you know, and you said, so you get four kids. <laughs> and the guy said, well, yeah, how'd you know? I, I don't know, you know, and yeah, just a guess. And then, well, I guess you need a family plan. You yeah. Know? <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Well, family, what's that? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, bonding and rapport in the sales stuff, right? <laughs> Dude, that's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair to have the Holy Spirit. It's fair for the, <laughs> for the Christians. No. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it goes back to, we talked about on the last podcast, you know. God, God loves, he loves business. He loves like the Jewish concept of that when you have a big sale or when your business is doing well, it's because God's blessing you. He's high-fiving. Yes. He's, he's coming into agreement with your, what you've already done from a work standpoint. Wow. It, it's awesome. I, I think too often we, we miss God because we simply aren't looking, you know, we, yeah. you know, we're not inviting him in and, uh, and he does want to give us an edge. He wants there to be a difference between between the, the ones that walk with the Holy Spirit and that don't. I mean, mm-hmm. he wants us to be a light, right? Yeah, absolutely. He not only wants us to have a difference, but the key is, and I, <laughs> I just had this conversation with my wife about a Christian that I work with, actually. The key is Holy Spirit minus work ethic does not equal God blessing your work. Right. When the Holy Spirit meets work ethic, you win. Always. Right. So there's always the Bible banger who doesn't show up to on time at work and who doesn't pull their weight and lies or cheats or something else, and that doesn't work. Take up your witness, if you want to call it that, for your faith. Crumble it up. And throw it in the right. trash at work. So first thing is in, is integrity, hard work. Be the be the go to guy. Let the Holy Spirit add what you can't add to what sure. you're doing. Sure. And that to me is that's when the Lord loves to come in. The Lord loves to come in and shine in the context of work because when you are in a work situation and you are the hardest worker and you are the one putting in the time and the effort, you are the one being creative, being a thought leader. When you're in that context. The Lord loves to breathe on that context because there is so much glory for him in that context 
because it's not the guy who sits over and doesn't do anything somehow is making sales. It's a thing that he takes someone that people respect, they Absolutely. honor for, and he says, you know what? Here's my name on this guy. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the truth is, this is why, you know, this, the, this influent, um, uh, you know, site where we've, we've launched, it's, uh, has three components. And the first is, is kind of the becoming component. It's become who you're supposed to be. And this is receive the love of God. It's learn to commune with God and, and be celebrated by God and enjoy God. But this, the second is then win. It's be successful, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the truth is that's the language of your coworkers and the world, right? Mm-hmm. Who wants to follow a guy who's who's broke and a loser? Making and excuses. Making no, yeah, one, no one. No one. They don't care what you have to say. So we've got to win first. We gotta we gotta win in whatever that means for us. Whatever can yeah. become successful in every sense of that word. Yeah. Then the second is influence society. Then the second or the third rather is influence society. Then out of that place it's be lights and and of course, we can do that all throughout. But yeah. but uh, you know, the idea of you know, I'm, I'm I want Christians to win everywhere. I want yeah. I want us to be. We should be the the lead sales guys if if we can. We should we can be the best teachers and the best innovators and the best scientists and inventors and yeah. whatever. Right? Why yeah. not? And be the ones that that uh, that get the respect. Right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I can say something to someone at work. And this guy can say something to someone at work. And we can say the same exact thing. And one of those gets received and one of it doesn't. Right. And I think it's it's an amazing thing. And it's a place that God took me. And I mentioned it in the last podcast. But it's an amazing place God took me in the journey of realizing how much you could experience God's pleasure in the context of work done. Normal, everyday Normal, life. Normal, everyday life. We, you know, we have a, a mentality that our hands raised and eyes closed and feeling goosebumps is God. Not necessarily. Yeah, I believe those. You know, I believe in that, all of that. Um, but we, I also believe we can start on emotion. I want to feel God when there's no emotion to be felt. Mm. And I'm just working and I'm hammering out cold calls or proposals or whatever. That's where I want to feel God because that's where I spend the majority of my week. I don't want to just encounter God in 20 to 30 minutes. I want to encounter God the 50, 60 hours I put in each week. I want to encounter God at 6 a.m. when I'm the only one at the office. That's when I want God. And I I think what happens is when we we begin to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do this with you. And I'm going to bust my butt to be successful. I think the Lord steps in and goes, I'll help you. Yeah. Well, the other thing is. It's like David said this, uh, your favor surrounds me as a shield. Yeah. And I believe that the favor surrounds you as a shield. And, and it's the, in order to, he protects the ministry component by the favor component. Mm -hmm. And what if, what if they can't fire you because you're the best worker? Right. Right. And, yeah. And right. so they, they don't like necessarily the testimony you're, you're doing, but his favor is protecting you because you're the top sales guy. Yeah. Or you're the best worker or yeah. whatever. Man, that's the place I want to be where, yeah. where, you know, they want, they don't necessarily like what you're doing all the time, but they, their greed won't let them fire you. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Daniel. They couldn't kill Daniel. Right. I mean, right. he was, he made everything better. They couldn't get rid of him. Right. Michael, you've, you've shared some about this intimacy with the Lord and, and, and connection with the Lord. And the next part of your journey was very painful. And you went through some, you know, personal family crises and I don't want to expose you here publicly, but 
extremely, extremely hard and mm-hmm. devastating. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, and we all have those, those, those seasons in our life where, you know, life just takes you to the woodshed and sure. beats you to a, to a bloody mess. Mm-hmm. And whether it's finances or health or marriage or children or something, we just, everyone has a crisis, right? And a, yeah. and a test. Yeah. And it really became the building block for you um, of intimacy and the next the next job. And it's so cool how these, you know, from job to job, it, its job became a place of encounter and yeah. a place of God meeting you. So the next job you take is the oil field. Yeah. and. And crazy. I mean, crazy. here here you go from this public ministry and kind of fiery ministry to honestly, you just needed healing, and yeah. you just need to kind of try and survive yeah. and try and recuperate from the devastating thing. And talk about the oil field and what happened. Yeah. So came out. I'm still in this season of just working through some stuff and also making wrongs right that where I made mistakes, um, and I made a decision to. Take a roughnecking job, which is not like what you see on TV. It's much more boring. I mean, it is 80 to 90 hours a week by yourself, pretty much. You've got four or five, six guys on a rig. And you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, this is a wilderness experience. Yeah. This is a... <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I mean... And you're handling heavy equipment, dirty, heavy equipment. Oh, and yeah. It's... Rain, blood, slush, or mud. You're out there. I mean, I, I worked I worked on night shifts for 12 hours where you're outside oh in negative degree weather for 12 hours. That's just what you do. And, you know, to, to, again, to highlight the isolation here, out of the five guys on my crew, out of a 12-hour workday, I may have, out of 12 hours, may have 40 minutes, 45 minutes of interaction, period. Wow. I mean, you were really alone. And So this became an encounter, though. It, it became, did. It became this incredible, I mean, I remember talking to you in this season of your life, and you were just going to the school of the Lord. Oh, I mean, was, you were having yeah. continual encounters with the Lord. He was, you were reading books, if I recall, and the Bible was oh. just alive to you. Yeah. And, your I was, med- and you were, every time I talked to you, you'd give me some major download of revelation yeah. of, of what he was teaching you yeah. in this time. I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I was praying in tongues 40 to 60 hours a week. Which Whoa! Crazy. Yeah. It, it just started because I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, they, you know, Go clean out that possum belly. Well, I don't want to explain what a possum belly is, but it's dirty. And I just I'd be over there with this cleaning this thing out for two or three hours. You have anything else to do? I mean, they'd hand me a scrub brush and say, clean the rig. Really? <laughs> so you have two options because you can't have headphones, which we started sneaking in later. But you have two options when someone hands you a scrub brush and a pressure washer and tells you to go clean an oil rig. You can go clean an oil rig and let your mind wander all over the place. Or... Praying tongues. You can pray in tongues. <laughs> so I started to see how long I could do it. And uh, I got to where I would realize I was doing it and I didn't... I had been doing it already. You know, like I would, always, I would be in the middle of something and somebody go, what? And I realized I've been praying in tongues Okay, for so minutes. what happens when you pray in tongues for 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week? Uh, vocal cords get stronger. <laughs> uh, so a, a, a handful of things happen um, in short... The scripture that I would ingest on my weeks off, so to clarify, on my weeks off, I would, no joke, spend 20, 30, 40 hours a week studying the word, fishing, and playing golf. That was it. That's what I did. Uh-huh. I played golf, fished, and I studied the Bible. Uh-huh. Then, at the oil field, when you begin to pray in tongues... It was internalizing. The Holy Spirit starts 
declaring revelation on all the stuff wow. that you studied for a week. Wow. So my brain... Spiritual digestion, oh, really. my brain and heart were exploding. That's why every time we talked, I was vomiting revelation on you. It's just because it was... It, had it was go, amazing. It had to go somewhere. Um, it had to go somewhere. And But that's what was happening. So I was in, I was in the, the oil field, praying in tongues, and studying the Word in my weeks off. Didn't really get t- much time to read while you're there. Um, I did have, I still have a little Bible that's beat to crap, just, you know, it's still got oil smudges all over it that I kept in my back pocket. But, um, it, you know, it was a beautiful time in the context that when you get alone with God, a couple things happen for that amount of time. Uh, you start to realize that all, you, you work through a lot of painful stuff, but the beauty in working through painful stuff is that the best way to work through pain is to work through it with Jesus. Because he gets you out of it in the least amount of pain possible right. and loves you the whole time. So while I was going through this, the Lord was igniting me with revelation and it was burning off all this junk that I had acquired over years and setting mindsets right. And the beautiful part was I um, I really found God again. I mean, that sounds funny for someone you just heard so many prophetic stories from. But I really found God again. I found out how much I could enjoy God without anyone else around. And that wow. was a huge step. And the ministry, right, you can feel like you're a son because you're working hard for Jesus, right? And here, all of a sudden, you're not. You're just you're no ministry. There's no ministry. It was just silence. It's a, I mean, it's like, it's like Joseph in prison, right? Mm-hmm. Here he is. He's got this incredible ministry, quote unquote, right? All of a sudden, he's thrown in prison. Now what? You know, it's like, yeah. here, here I am. Okay. You know, who, who are you when all your roles are stripped away? Yeah. Who are you when you're not, when every role you have in life, when all of those go away, how do you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? That's what you're left wow. with when you're in the oil field by yourself. Yeah. You know, you know what? It's a true wilderness experience, which is an awesome thing. You know, we think about the wilderness as a negative. It's not, it's a total positive. The idea of God abandoning us is not part of this. It's right. the opposite. It, in fact, it says in the book of Hosea, uh, it talks about the unfaithfulness of Israel. And he says, you know, what what, what can I do? You know, you're thinking, well, he's going to cast cast her away. No. Sure. He says, I'll draw her into the wilderness and speak tenderly and to her heart. Right. Hosea 2.14, I believe it is. And I'll draw her into the wilderness. This is his response to our wandering hearts, <clears throat> our waywardness, our issues, our baggage, as you put it. <clears throat> I'll draw her into the wilderness and speak tenderly into yeah. her heart. It's exactly what he did to you. Yeah, and it was a healing time. You think about it. You go through scripture. What are our favorite <clears throat> stories? Our favorite stories aren't the sections of the Bible that talk about how wealthy Israel was. Our favorite sections in the Bible are the ones where something really bad is happening and it looks like there's no way out and God shows up and does something. And that was what the Lord did with me, but then took me to the wilderness and said, um, I need you here for a while. And I hated the oil field. Yeah. I hated it, but I loved, I loved what I encountered. You love what you found in there. I loved what I found in there. And you know, it's interesting because the, the crises you went through, this personal crisis is something a lot of people lose their faith in. You know, I think about me and my wife and losing a child, you know, and and a lot of it blows up mm-hmm. a lot of marriages. It blows up a lot of faith. And mm-hmm. you became the opposite. I mean, you through this this wilderness experience, you you became forged. Yeah. And it's really the first part of this influence equation, if you will, which is becoming and and you went deeper in God and got a hold of God in a 
in a completely fresh way. And I remember just talking how energized you were yeah. just about the person of Jesus. Uh, and I mean, you would start talking about about the person of Jesus and who he was. You would you would talk to me for hours about the beauty of Jesus. I'm getting chills now. Isn't it? I'm, I'm saying it. And I remember, you know, having you speak at some of my events here, here and there and you would talk and I would just want to crawl, get on the, on my face on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to love him more. And, you know, it's because you just make me hungry for Jesus. And you had so much hunger and desire in this season. A lot of that came from one specific revelation that happened. I was still, um, very bitter, angry, hurt, wounded. And I was reading a commentary uh, on, I was reading a commentary on Judas, uh, that, that whole John 13 passage where Judas get up and, gets up and leaves. And the short version of this is that I was reading that and then I was also reading where Paul was talking about encountering God uh, and the fellowship of sufferings. And there's a couple things he lists before it. And I'm reading that verse with Paul, and I'm like, that's the dumbest verse in the Bible. Fellowship with God and suffering. Yeah, yeah. who prays for that? Who and needs that? More importantly, <laughs> why? Why would those words ever leave your mouth? And the reason it hit me one day, so two things, which is really what took me on a, just a deep journey with God and the person of Christ that year, was the reason Paul prayed that was because he wanted to know what the movements of Jesus' heart were during the cross. He wanted to know what was Jesus thinking about the bride. He wanted to know how did he feel about the church? How did he feel about me through this torturing process unto death? And he knew the only way to experience God's heart in the midst of that context was to be in it himself for the church and for Jesus. And only in that place could he have access to God's heart in that way. That doesn't mean you're not get yourself persecuted. It's the other way around. It's what hit me was the reason, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, Everything Jesus did, everything he said, every movement, every situation he put himself in was for one primary purpose. Lots of purposes, but one primary purpose to demonstrate, A, exactly what God is like, no questions asked, Mm -hmm. and B, so that he could have access to my heart in those seasons of my life and know exactly how I felt. And when that hit me in that time, it just opened up this whole array of Jesus, who are you? What are you like? Why are you so into me? And just getting fascinated. Wow. And you mentioned earlier, you said you said something about um, people not being captivated or fascinated with God. The number one reason people aren't fascinated with Jesus is because they're not looking at him. Mm. If you look at him, you get fascinated. Yeah. You know, we, we teach, of course, for years, you know, our ministry adoration, which yeah. is, which is, it's this, it's, it's discovering who he is by, you know, how many attributes does God have, right? How many, you know, billions, right? Right. And I have this picture of, you know, you know, it says declare, you know, I've declared to them your name and, and, uh, you know, praise the name of the Lord. How many names does he have? Well, I have this picture of a billion angels saying mm. the name Yahweh at one time, but it comes out a, a billion different names, you know, mm. how many names? And yeah. So he's compassion. How much compassion? Where? How deep does it go? He's joy. How much joy? Where is it joy? Where, how deep does it go? How does he express this joy? And pick a hundred names. And, and each one is devastating to the human heart. You yeah. know? I mean, right. I mean I'm, 
I just I get stuck on this one lately. I'm just I have this adoration prayer book, you know, which is available on our website, um, and it's just a bunch of scriptures I've turned into adoration prayer, and like the number five in there, I think, is humility, the humility of God. Right. Good Lord, I'm undone every time I get to it. How can the Creator of the universe be humble? Right. You know, and yet He is. He on a He came on a on a donkey. You know, He came as a servant. And not be to, not to how be about, served. How about this? Oh. How about this? Three. Some theologians think Jesus's ministry was as short as eighteen months. Most say three years, right? So get this: thirty some years of life, three ish years of ministry. And if you break the gospels down, we have thirty to sixty days of Jesus's life. And in those thirty to sixty days, we have lunch meetings, we have five minute conversations. That's it. John said. There could have been more books written about Jesus than anything ever. And yet we have four Gospels, 30 to 60 days, collective hours compiled in Jesus' life, and it turned the world upside down. Yeah. That's humility. God came yeah. and told no one. Yeah, wow. So I, it's, you, you I, know, yeah, the humility of God, I mean. But ugh. it's that's just one. That's just one. Right. I mean, you know, I, I tell people this. I, I, I said, what would you, what about, what if you were zapped up right now? before the throne and you you, you you beheld Jesus the fullness mm-hmm. of his love for you the fullness of his majesty and the, you got a hundred percent download every single atom of his love for you completely hundred percent understood what do you think would happen explode. you'd explode yeah, <laughs> yeah so then what what would happen if you came back to earth you know well you know you'd just you'd be would you be different? You know, right. of course, you'd be how different? Well, you'd be a love machine, right? You'd yeah. be like, you know, you'd be loving everybody, tell them how much Jesus loves them. And, you know, if you, what if you had trouble paying your bills? It'd be like, whatever, you know, Jesus loves me. You know, yeah. it's like, who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. you'd be a love machine. And, 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 and I tell people, see, our greatest need is to know his love. Yeah. Or to know or pick any one other of his attributes. And we are transformed by seeing him as he is. Yeah. And so I think our greatest, our greatest need is to, is, to, is to perceive him and to meditate on who he is. And yeah. that's through adoration prayer. Which I think is the most powerful, uh, I, and I, I hate to put it this way, but I, I think you and people listening will understand what I'm getting at. I think it's really the most powerful form of prayer because most prayer is need-based and problem-based. We're looking for God to solve, uh, solve needs That's and problems right. and provide solutions. The question is, what happens when you get in front of God and you don't have any of that stuff to talk about anymore? Wow. What are you going to say to God? Yeah. Hey, thanks for fixing all my stuff back there. Like, what else are you going to say when you, don't, when you don't have problems or need solutions? Right. And the thing about it, when it comes down to that, if you take that away, you realize that you don't have anything to say to God except you're really great. And so... Getting into the place of prayer is where you actually begin, and adoration type well, you can, prayer you is can, when you begin you can to start to God. get into how bad you are, which is where a lot of people go. Yeah, right. Or no, duh, we're bad. You know, so what? I mean, let's go and let's. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not excusing. You know, sin, but let's stop focusing on sin and focus on who He is, the and old, it drives yeah. out the sin. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, the best way, the best heal, healing for pride. And is is to see the humility of God, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you know, or selfishness is to see the love of God and to perceive it. Yeah. So we focus on 
trying to trying to drive out you know all the air out of our out of our cup and the best way to drive the air out of the cup is to fill it with something else right right and it's completely contrary to the gospels you look at the gospels never once does jesus ever bring up the sin of those that he's ministering to right not That's once true. and zacchaeus, he was aware of it yeah zacchaeus everyone knew who zacchaeus was right. what does he do he calls zacchaeus down first he says his name no one said his name and who knows how long and then he calls him a son of Abraham and restores his honor in front of everyone and didn't ask him to fix anything. Zacchaeus didn't try to fix anything until after Jesus called him by name and restored his honor. And so that type of relationship with Jesus is so backwards from the Jesus we have in the Gospels. I don't even know what it was. There's actually about. no record that Jesus asked him to fix it. No. He, he offered it. Yeah, that's my fact. <laughs> he offered to fix it only after Jesus initially restored his honor. Wow. I mean, he didn't, and my point is he didn't come to Jesus and say, Hey, I'll fix this. If right. Jesus said, Hey, Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham. Here's your honor. Jesus back. is so kind. He's so loving. He's so amazing. And we don't spend enough time meditating on that. Ah, oh, there is, if there's a, if there's a thing we're missing, it's him, you know? And then before we wrap this up, um, the next season, was honestly one of the coolest. And, and this is when you went to Nordstrom. And so I remember calling you and, or you called me and like, okay, I need, I'm done with the oil field. And yeah. you came to Nordstrom and started selling clothes. And, and, but it was so different because it was out of this deep knowledge of God. It was almost like you were so just full of the hunger for, for more of Jesus. And that's what you ministered. I mean, so talk about, you know, yeah. tech, give us the, tell us about some of those encounters you had there that were just stunning. Yeah, the, the one that comes to mind when you're sharing this is um, there was one night we're talking, and I don't know how we got from dinosaurs to aliens, but I worked with this guy who was very Catholic, and he was talking to me about uh, dinosaurs and aliens. Well, he's talking to me about aliens. And then when I said something about dinosaurs, he acted like I was crazy. And I was like, <laughs> What do you mean? And I was like, you're okay with aliens and I can't talk about dinosaurs anyway. So we're talking and, and he said, uh, he said, Michael, surely you don't take the Bible literally. And I said, what do you mean I don't take it literally? He goes, seriously, you don't believe that people and dinosaurs run the planet at the same time. I said, hold on. You're asking me if I take the Bible literally. He said, yeah. I said, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen kids who couldn't eat come off of feeding tubes after three years from a prophetic word. I've seen miracles you've only heard about. And you're asking me to take the Bible early. Well, this guy walks up and he says, what are you guys talking about? And the one guy who I was dialoguing with said, uh, oh, can you believe Michael takes the Bible literally? And he goes, he goes, really? Why do you say that? And I said, have you ever asked the question who Jesus is? He goes, what do you mean? I said, who is this man that claimed to own all the angels and no one argued it. He claimed to be God and made a debate about it for the last 2,000 years. Larry King said, if he could interview anyone in history, who would it be? He said, I would interview Jesus of Nazareth and I would ask him, are you indeed virgin born? If so, this explains history for me. I told him about Napoleon's quote. I know men, Jesus Christ is no mere man. Charlemagne, Alexander, Caesar, myself, all founded empires upon force. But Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this moment, millions would die for him. Napoleon! <laughs> and I said, Stephen, have you never asked the question who this man is? And he goes, 
whoa. <laughs> he goes, and then the next word out of the mouth, he goes, who are you? <laughs> and we began talking and, and I said, have you just never asked these, these things? Have you never thought about this? And he goes, no. And he goes, wait, where did you come from? I was like, enough about me. We ended up talking after work. I got a chance to, I began sharing stories with him. It opened the door to share some of my history at Starbucks and stories. And then we went outside after work and I prophesied him in the parking lot. And uh, he just got his world rocked. He, it actually, when he ended up needing to go into some type of program to like therapy or like a rehab program, the guy actually told two people. He told his dad and he came and found me and sat down and asked for prayer before he went into this thing. He didn't, his sister hadn't even found out yet. Wow. And, uh, you know, there was another occasion where it was a little bit different, more along the lines of my previous background, but this guy came in, we're talking one night and he begins to say, share some things with me. And, um, and I don't honestly remember what our dialogue was completely, but I exchanged phone numbers with him. And all of a sudden I get a call one night, it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night. No one calls me at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. I pick up the phone. It's this guy from Nordstrom from weeks before. He's a total mess cadet. He's shaken and he's, Michael, I, I need to know that God's real right now. Tell me something to make me believe God's real. <laughs> what? Like, what do you say to that? And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he starts telling me stuff. And I'm like, well, quit telling me stuff. And it's like, I, I can't promise you anything. I'll pray with you. So I pray with him. And we pray for a few minutes. And long story short, what had happened is there was some emotional unfaithfulness on both sides of the marriage. Um, and the, I mean, it was just headed down the tubes. They have a few kids. And um, wow. he said he got off the phone that night and just felt like that he could save his marriage. Wow. And he was at fault too. It wasn't just her. He wow. was at fault too. Uh, felt like he could save his marriage. So he shows up at Nordstrom about... A week or two later on a Saturday, walks in. I'm just about to take lunch. It was seriously perfect timing. He walks in. I see him talking to my manager, telling him how great I am. Then he comes over. He goes, this guy wants to talk to you. He said, you do a really good job. I was like, thanks. He said, hey, if you're going to break, is there any chance you could do for my wife what you did for me? So he brought his wife in. Brought his wife in. Wow. We go out to their car in the winter. I get in the driver's seat. Um, we're all sitting there and, uh, he gets in the back and it was the funniest thing. He looks like a kid who's about to get a birthday present opened. He is literally like a, like a happy Labrador in the back, just leaning over, just like looking at me, looking at his wife, like waiting for this thing to go down. And, and then I said, um, so I began to pray and she just, the Lord just touches her. She's weeping wow. in the car. He's getting emotional. Um, he actually called me. Uh, he's called me a few times just randomly since then. And the last update I got from him is their marriage is thriving. Um, he's, his materialism, his, he's, he's like, I still like nice things, but I don't care about them anymore. Um, his marriage is thriving. He said, I'm the spiritual leader of my home. We're wow. serving in our church. Um, invited me to this men's thing that takes place once a month where him and some guys get together and talk about God. Um, Every time I talk to him, he has some story about what God is doing in his family and in his work and in his life. It's incredible. So anyway, wow. another Nordstrom story. Wow. It's been amazing. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. It's so inspiring. And uh, so you're off the next part of your journey now as a 
corporate sales guy and yeah. loving it. And we'll hear about that maybe uh, uh, next time. Yep. I'll have some stuff for you. All right. God bless. Thanks.